is the Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red Channel, taking a bite-sized look at some of the big Liverpool FC talking points. Hello everybody and welcome along to the Agenda Podcast, which follows a huge win for Liverpool in the San Siro last night as they defeated the reigning Italian champions Inter Milan in their own backyard 2-0 in the Champions League last 16. Though the scoreline suggests Liverpool cruised to victory, it was in fact an heroic defensive display for the Reds, who were under the cosh, to be fair, for large periods of the game. But there was one specific star last night in Virgil van Dijk, and the question on this agenda podcast, is Virgil van Dijk back to his best? Well, joining me, Patrick Smith, is the one and only Theo Squires. So, Theo, is Virgil van Dijk back to his prime self? Um, that's a hard question, because before when he was back to his best or when he was at his best he was doing it consistently wasn't he for like two three years he was the very best center back in world football and i'd say he needs to do it a bit more consistently at that level for the rest of the season and take liverpool to trophies so if we're talking in may and liverpool have won champions league or they've somehow managed to claw back the, the gap in the premier league and managed to take overtake City and win the title then you say yeah defensively that is very much because Virgil van Dijk is back to his best um there are signs now there he is showing his form again that he is getting up to that level but there have been times when they've been a bit shaky defensively in recent weeks and they've, they've had to call upon Alice and to bail them out time and time again but having said all that yesterday was one of those peak van Dijk performances it's why he joined Liverpool in the first place he wanted these big Champions League nights and all due to respect to a, like a Burnley or someone like that they're not as glamorous as going to the San Siro going and playing an Inter Milan one of these big names and a knockout football it's what all these top players want to do they want to go to these stadiums they want to go to these arenas against the best players and show why they are the very best and this is what it was for van Dijk yesterday um, given the armband with Henderson and James Miller on the bench, he like, rose to the occasion and he was so good. Like, we're all going to talk about that moment um, against Martinez when he just didn't want to run at him, when it was one-on-one. It's like, and there's so many other times when he's like against Dumfries or these players where he's sliding in or barging them off the pitch. He's just a proper leader, proper defensive display from him. Um, one moment I think that always stands out from his Liverpool career was against Spurs. I think it was in 1819 when he was the last defender and they had Son and Harry Kane, I think, attacking him. And despite the fact that he didn't touch the ball, he managed to completely take the chance away from him by holding his ground perfectly. Well, against Martinez, it wasn't quite that situation again. It felt like it because it could have been a big moment if he managed to burst past him. Like Martinez, he's one of the best uh, strikers in Italy. He's got a bit of pace about him. And the fact that he just looked at him and went, Nah, Virgil van Dijk, let's just keep possession there. Um, he's still that intimidating presence, but everything else about his game yesterday, where it's the passing, I think he was the, the most successful passer in the Liverpool team, was van Dijk winning his, uh, the aerial balls, just holding his defensive line well. It, it wasn't, I'm not going to say it was much needed because Liverpool have been strong defensively, even if they've had to rely on the keeper in recent weeks, but it was definitely a yes, Virgil van Dijk is back. It was a statement from him for sure. I mean, obviously, we're all aware it was a horrendous career-threatening injury. He was out for such a long period. It's a very long recovery period. He's obviously going to lose some physicality, you know, would be it speed, strength, you know, aerial duels. And he has been at a bit of a counter at the start of this season. But now, Theo, as it showed last night, you know, Martinez, Dumfries, Perisic, all these rapid players, physical players. And he's right in amongst it again, isn't he? Yeah, he is. And I think... Maybe it's just these footballs are changing the narrative. Like we're used to have an ACL injury, you're out for a year, and then it'll take you another six months, a year to get back to your best. You can't be rushed. You can't start games. You have to be on the bench and gradually 
get back into proceedings. But Virgil van Dijk has just been thrown straight back in. He missed the Euros, but he had a full pre-season. And then he's only really had to sit out two or three games along the way. And it's almost a surprise. Like Players don't do this. But then you look at, say, Mohamed Salah. Now, he's not had a serious injury like that. But all these players who were reaching this peak form in their early 30s, he's just going to get better and better. These are professional athletes and they can recover quicker when they've got the best medical care, the best rehab facilities and all of this, when they've got the right mentality about how to sort of look after themselves, get back on the pitch. So maybe we shouldn't be surprised that when an absolute machine like Virgil van Dijk, who was one of the best physical defenders around, has got back to it at speed. And Inter Milan, it is a name as a team, but it's just of the individuals that we've would have associated them with, say, 10, 15 years ago when Italian football was amazing and Liverpool were knocking out Juventus or beating AC Milan in the final one. It was just 11 world-class players. This Inter Milan team isn't like this. It's Italian football in general is in transitional period and more than the best team in Italy. They're still getting up to that level again. They've got some players who are a little bit older, some players who are not quite at the level you'd expect from these sides. But you still can only play what's in front of you. Like Perisic was at Bayern Munich, wasn't he? He's been knockout football all these years. Martinez, as I said, one of the most feared strikers. Uh, I can't say the Turkish lad's name. Don't make me say it, Pat. You know who I, I mean. Tell ugly. That's the one. <laughs> you, you, he's like this big playmaker. And he's supposed everything goes through him into mine. But Liverpool just had an answer for everything. And that was from Van Dijk at the middle. Uh, he was showing his pace. He was showing his aerial presence. It was just everything. It was this whole centre-back package from him at the San Siro. And the fact that he was at the San Siro against the name makes it that little bit more special than, say, at Burnley, a cold, wet, windy uh, turf moor. It's like a glamour game. What you live for is these top elite athletes. And we can say that Virgil van Dijk, uh, as I already said, it was a statement from him. Long may it continue. You hopefully that, um, you hope that of a few more knockout games where he can do it again for the rest of this season in Champions League, for sure. And it was his display that played such a big part and Liverpool being able to leave that first leg with a 2-0 lead. Like We needed the goals late on from the substitutions. That, that changed the game, but it could have easily been losing if it wasn't for Van Dijk's offensive display. The Agenda on the Blood Red Channel. Well, his impressive display last night was certainly helped by young Ibu Kanate, wasn't it? He was unbelievable again. And that now poses the question, who is Van Dijk's best partner? Because we've seen Matic for the majority of this season you know, he's had injury problems himself. He's back to his best, I'd say. He's been unbelievable for us. At times, even outplayed Van Dijk. But Canate again last night, Theo. What a performance from him. Yeah, it's a great performance from Canate. And he is, you can see why Liverpool waited to sign him. Why, when they did make those emergency uh, additions in Kabak and Ben Davis, it was only short term. They didn't want to get in this big centre back then to solve the issue because you, you know they were waiting for Canate. I think before that, they've been like Diego Carlos before the, the pandemic hit. But you can look at Canate now and it's like, he's a future Liverpool leader, isn't he? I'm not going to say he's like a next version of Van Dijk, but he's got everything you need to be this dominating centre-back for years to come. He can pass the ball well, he can bring it out of defence. He's strong in the air. He, he is big, he is hard to get past and he's got the pace as well. But whenever we do our um, team predictions in recent weeks, whenever you look at a front line and got a bit of pace about them, you'd much rather have Canate in there than Matip. And I know um, Klopp doesn't really choose his team like that. He has stuck with Joel Matip for the majority, and then he'll take him out to protect him because you know that injury record. We don't You don't want to see him play every week mm-hmm. and then just pick up another bad injury. But there does come a time when they need to think 
of the future. Joel Matip, as good as he's played this season, he's not Liverpool's future. Like You compare it to the front three. They're all the same age, out of contract at the same time. But you think Salah's the one you want to keep. You can afford or accept losing the other two if you keep Salah. With the centre-backs, you can maybe have one of them aging. Van Dijk, he's got his long-term contract. Great. But you don't want another two, three to get aging with the injury records or on big money or whatever. And there might come a time when Matip either drops down the pecking order or is sacrificed for a younger player to come in. But then that's why you've got Canate there as this replacement. And there will be a time when he is the first choice, I think, alongside Van Dijk, so they can forge that partnership together. So it can be this great partnership that Van Dijk's already had with a Matip or a Gomez. Um, he is the future of Liverpool's back line. Van Dijk said that himself. And there was a video he did at the club with um, Gomez and Canate when he said, these are my replacements. This could be a Liverpool partnership for 10 years. It just depends how long Van Dijk is around. And it's telling that Canate is the one who gets turned to. Uh, it's just been a bit weird this season, hasn't it, that Liverpool haven't had any centre-back injuries. Like normally, one of them gets injured, someone else comes in, and then it's just a cycle and they all have their, their goals in the team. And that was even before the crisis last year. When you had Lovren, Matip and Gomez, it was always they do about a third of the season each. And now you've got the fact that Canate's on the sidelines waiting for his opportunities. Matip's as fit as he's ever been, playing more games than he's ever played. I think um, when I did a piece on him in the summer, he was averaging half a season at best on appearances. Um, I think it was 19 Premier League appearances. I'm pretty sure he's already smashed that this year, or overall anyway. And then you've got Joe Gomez barely getting a sniff from the sidelines. Then Nat Phillips further down, the hero of last year. He's only played two or three games and had to go on loan to the Championship. Uh, Reese Williams is back now after not having the best loan in the Championship. Billy Cometio beneath them as well. There's just so much depth there. And compare that to last year where you were having to scrape the barrel for these uh, after the famine comes to feast. Yeah, exactly. But you mentioned there a few times Joe Gomez are looking forward to the future. You know, he was the starting centre-back alongside Van Dijk for the title-winning season, the Champions League-winning season. But this season, Theo, he's barely had a sniff, has he? He's, he's sometimes not even on the bench. How do you think he'll react, especially with games like last night when Canate starts? Because typically, you know, a season or so ago, you'd have thought Joe Gomez would be starting those, wouldn't you? Yeah, there, there was the feeling that Joe Gomez was the first choice. And it was only injuries that, say, made him not start the Champions League final. Like he was first choice for that entire pretty much Premier League winning campaign. And then there was the 7-2 at Villa. Van Dijk gets injured the week after. So we didn't see whether this was going to be the long-term partnership after that or if there would be a change in Jurgen Klopp's thinking. And he's not really had a chance to get back in. It was always going to be hard for Liverpool. It is a balance act when you've got three big centre-backs, important players coming back from long-term injuries. Uh, Gomez has had long-term injuries before. And then you're also trying to fit in this new £36 million signing. And he has been the full guy. Like he had COVID at a bad time. So I think he could have played against Cardiff and he missed out on that occasion. Um, he's had injuries at the wrong time as well. So he has just been forgotten at the bottom of the pecking order almost. And in the past, you'd have had Matip gets injured. He's out for a couple of months. Then Lovren gets injured. He's out for a couple of months. And Gomez comes in, takes the place. It's not happened this year. And there's not been like a breakdown in Van Dijk in his recovery or Matip in his recovery. And Canate's quickly learned his trade and got used to Premier League football. And it's just, what does Joe Gomez want to do? Like We're in a World Cup year. He, if it weren't for these injuries, he would be first choice for England, without a doubt. He is better than a lot of those options. Like Harry Aguirre, he is a much better player for England than he is for Manchester United. But without being too biased, I rate Joe Gomez a lot more. 
I think most of us who watched Jerome Gomez's career so far, if it weren't for the injuries, he'd be a brilliant centre-back. He's got everything you need. He might not be as physical or as good in the air, but he's got that pace. He can read the game well and he can bring the ball out. He is a good continental centre-back almost rather than a big physical Premier League presence. But then it's what do you want to do? Because he's at that age now where he needs to be playing games and he's not been playing regularly because of all these injuries. Do you stay patient? Do you wait in the wings at Liverpool? Wait for someone else to get an injury, get an opportunity yourself, grab it with both hands? Do you trust the fact that Matip's not getting any younger, Van Dijk's not getting any younger, and you are going to be this long-term first-choice option against alongside Canate? Or have you had enough? Is it too much time now that you've got to make up for when you've not been playing games? You need to get back to your rhythm. You've got a World Cup on the horizon. Do you ask, right, I need to go now for the sake of my career? I personally hope he stays put, that Liverpool can find a way to get him back in the team because I rate him highly. He's a great young centre-back. And we're still referring to him as a young centre-back when he probably isn't. In terms of centre-backs, he's got a fair few years left to two he peaks, but he's not a young player anymore. He's at, what, mid-20s? A lot of um, experience. Yeah, he's got a lot of experience. He could have so much more if it weren't for these injuries. He isn't a difficult position. I don't think Liverpool would want to lose him, but then if he said if he's had enough, you wouldn't begrudge him a move as well. Maybe a loan could work out. Uh, it's a World Cup year. Go to, I don't know, an Aston Villa, someone like that, someone pushing for European football. You play, you show your quality, and then you can come back to Liverpool and get the place in the team, get higher up in the pecking order. But how often do players go on loan and then not come back? Like mm. Divock Origi is an exception, um, and that's only because no one took him off Liverpool's hands. Harvey Elliott is the only other one who's an obvious exception, and that's because he wasn't in the team. He wasn't going to be a first-team player that season and the benefits there but Elliot's 18 it's very different when you're a player who should be a first team player in the Premier League side and it is going to be a big dilemma for Liverpool but then we're, we're in what mid-February now who knows what's going to come in the next two three months whether there's injuries or whatnot um, they've allowed five substitutions in the FA Cup five substitutions in the League Cup five substitutions in the Champions League he is able to play at right back he can play at left back He's going to be needed at some point. He just needs to be available when he's going to be turned to. Like you'd imagine, he's going to start against Norwich City in the FA Cup. Maybe if they want, they could even start him against Norwich City in the league this weekend. It's, there are going to be opportunities. It's just whether it's enough for him to get his rhythm and stake his claim. It's a very rare position for Liverpool's fourth centre back to stay fourth in the pecking order all season long. Um, if we're still saying that in two, three months' time, it will be unprecedented in the Jurgen Klopp era. <laughs> But we know he's got the talent. He just needs the opportunity. It's whether he's going to get that opportunity at Liverpool at the moment or if he needs to go elsewhere. The Agenda on the Blood Red Channel. Well, it's a strange luxury to have, isn't it, that we've actually got these four centre-backs that Joe Gomez has been left out for the season. But then you think, you know, he could be in that England back three. I have no doubt of that. If they're starting players like Tyrone Mings and Carl Walker at centre-back in that three, I think Joe Gomez would suit that position perfectly. But the question is, has he missed the time to move now? Was it January? Because the World Cup's obviously in the autumn. If he gets a summer move, that might not be enough time for him to cement a place in the England squad, is it, Theo? And then, of course, the other thing, the injuries, they're not just injuries. They're four massive injuries on, I believe, both knees and both ankles. So that's got to have some impact on his recovery, isn't it? Yeah, like, I suppose we've really been able to see him out there to see how he's recovered from this injury. Like He's not had many starts, and when he has, he's been out of the cold and like against was it Leicester in the League Cup he had a really tough day a really tough night that one and he was against a teenager and Billy Cometio and up against like Pats and Daka, Jamie Vardy pace getting in behind 
and it needed Canate to come on to turn that around. But you're not going to find rhythm. They are two serious injuries. I'm going to see Van Dyke for half a season now and go, yeah, he's back to his best. But we've not been able to see whether Gomez can do it. I wouldn't say it's too late for him to get a move if he needs a move or anything. Like the World Cup is November, December time. If he goes, say, if he does leave either alone or permanently, we're talking June, July, August at the latest, he's got a good few months there to find a place for him. But then someone could get injured, he's back in the Liverpool reckoning, he's in that starting eleven, Or he has the, the pre-season of his life and he's up there in contention as well. I think he's out of con- contract in 2024. So is Joel Matip. If you're looking at it from a selfish Liverpool point of view, Gomez is the one you keep beyond 2024, not Joel Matip. If you can rely on him to stay fit, he's got so many years ahead of him. As Van Dijk said, these two, in him and Canate, should be the future of Liverpool's backline. It's just whether they stay there. Um, yeah, it's they, they need to be conversations behind the scenes, and I'm sure there are conversations behind the scenes about what is next for Joe Gomez, whether he is going to be part of Liverpool's future, whether he needs to go out on loan, whether it's thanks for winning the Champions League and Premier League and playing this big part, but you're not going to get what you need here. But then Van Dijk's, what, 30-31, Matip's around the same. In four years' time, when they're at a time when they might not be near a starting level, they have to be dropping down that pecking order. Uh, 27, 28, 29, Joe Gomez could be exactly what your backline needs alongside of Canate. But then you're looking at the next generation of centre-backs too. Liverpool could have another world-class youngster coming through who could fill that gap. Or there might be someone on the market that they want to sign. But if you want to sign a big centre-class centre-back who can step in, they're going to cost you at least £36 million, as Liverpool found out in the summer. Why go and spend that much on a centre-back when you've got someone as good as Joe Gomez in your ranks so you don't need to spend anything else on? It is a dilemma for the player, for the manager, for the club. They've got the options there. It's just what's the best solution for all of them. So yeah, for my final question, I'm going to bring it back around to Virgil van Dijk. Simple one. Is he the best centre-back in the world? Who's better? <laughs> he is the best centre-back <laughs> thus far. Um, yeah, I think we say Mohamed Salah is the best player in the world because it's that transitional period in world football where you've got the next up-and-comers who aren't reaching their peaks yet and the, the Messi's and the Ronaldo's are on the decline and Salah's just stolen that mantle. Well, van Dijk being out for a year, you haven't looked around and said, oh, that centre-back's coming and been one of the best in his place. There is no one who's managed to take his crowd and he's just come on, picked it up and been as good as he was before. Like in Premier League, you're thinking one of the best centre-backs around what, Thiago Silva and he's 36, 37. So <laughs> Van Dijk is still very much the best. And if he can uh, keep up his level of performances and stay fit, he, when defenders can keep going on for a, a good while yet, he could have another four, five, six years at this level as the best centre-back in world football. Like you think of greats, from up from our generation, you think of Sergio Ramos, Ramos, Carlos Puyol, Gerard Piquet. They might not be at their, their peak peak levels for that whole way through the career, but they're still at a pretty impressive level right until the end. I'm going to throw Cannavaro in there as well, Ballon d'Or winner. <laughs> not going to say Van Dijk's going to put in a season of his life and be in Ballon d'Or contention again, but yeah, there's, there's no one can rival him. He is the best centre back in world football. You never know, Theo. If the Dutch win the World Cup, Van Dijk could find himself with a Ballon d'Or, couldn't be the first defender to obviously win it since Cannavaro. Was it 2006? Uh, he must have won it. Yeah, 2006. That's a big uh, prediction. So we're saying what? <laughs> Salah wins it in uh, 2022, Van Dijk wins it in 2023. Well, that's unless Wales qualify and obviously win the World Cup, Theo. But yeah, I'll let him have that shout. <laughs> <laughs> that wraps up the show. Well, Van Dijk is certainly back to his best, isn't he? And so are Liverpool as the hunt for the quadruple rumbles on. So until next time on the agenda. Bye for now.
You've been listening to the Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.